right, guys, hey, last call. If you want to grab some coffee again right here, get it now. We have that for your study. Make sure you stay awake for the study portion tonight. And, uh, again, thanks for being here tonight. Appreciate you guys coming out. Uh, it's kind of a, a bittersweet moment, right, coming to an end of a series that, um, you know, there's been a lot of good feedback from, but uh, seeing it the last week's kind of, kind of a difficult thing, uh, to be honest with you. I've really enjoyed being here every Thursday night and uh, interacting with you all. And so, uh, again, don't forget those dates in September, starting on September 15th, that we'll start things back off uh, 10 weeks in the fall, and you'll be getting more information about that as far as content. And then also the two times over the summer, July and August, will be specific dates for you where you'll be fortunate to be along. Uh, but be praying about who to invite with you, uh, both for the summer ones as well as for the fall. Uh, we'd love to see us um, just fill this place as far as the size and, and the challenges that we're doing to do that. So uh, thanks for being here again. You guys can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we've been in this series, again, this is week 10 now, of spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And uh, really, um, you know, you look at the world in which we live in, the culture we live in, this is very relevant um, as far as this understanding of the necessity of being on our guard and recognizing the battle that we're in. And so um, what I want to do tonight, as we've done each week, I want to read the passage, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 20, um, and read that through. I want to focus in on just a portion of that passage as we get moving tonight. And uh, what I've kind of entitled things tonight is the conclusion. Uh, the conclusion, be alert, pray and be alert, uh, because I think that's what Paul really does here as he wraps things up, is he brings prayer to the forefront uh, of the hearts and minds of the readers here as it relates to this area of spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And so what I'd like to do tonight, read the passage, I want to give us uh, some things that we need to know tonight as men, uh, some things we need to know as we move forward, and then uh, go on from what we need to know into some concluding thoughts. And so let's read this passage, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Um, you can follow along. It's going to be on the screen behind me as well. Uh, this is what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." Now, we haven't touched on verses 19 and 20 um, at all, really, in, in this study. And I've included verses 19 and 20 because I feel like it's really important for us to understand something. And, and this goes back to some things that, 
that you and I are going to look at tonight that we need to understand and we need to know. But I love the fact that Paul, in his instruction, in Paul's instruction to the believers here, as he introduces and, and wants them to understand about the war that's going on and wants them to understand about the armor of God and wants them to move to, to prayer for one another and wants them to be petitioning uh, the, 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 the hand of God for one another, Paul includes himself in the group that is in need of understanding and knowing these things. He includes himself in that group that needs to be prayed for. He includes himself as someone who is also engaged in that battle. And I think that's so important and relevant because when you think of the heroes of the faith, right? If you think of people who were the heroes of the faith or the ones that were foundational in the establishment of the gospel and the church, in the early church, if you think about the ones that were setting the tone and setting the example, uh, probably the two most prominent individuals that are going to come to our minds are Peter and Paul. And so here Paul is, as he talks about this battle that's waging, he talks about this war that's going on and the necessity for the believer in Christ to put on the armor of God, I love the fact that Paul includes himself in this. That he too needs prayer. He too needs to be cared for in prayer and that there needs to be prayer on his behalf, that he would remain faithful and that he would be opening his mouth to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and it really struck me because Paul's asking and petitioning that people would be praying for him to boldly proclaim the gospel, tells me that Paul recognized there's a battle there. There's a struggle there, right? If someone comes up to you and they say, hey, listen, I'm going to work on Monday, and, and would you pray for me that God would help me to be bold in sharing my faith? Well, the reason that is asked for is because there's a recognition that sometimes that might not just be the natural thing that we do, right? We need to be prayed for that those things would happen and that we would be bold in that. And so I love the fact that Paul, in the midst of all of his instruction, in the midst of the desire to put on the armor of God, in the midst of trying to put it in the forefront of the hearts and minds of the believer, he includes himself as also needing this lesson, if you will, needing this encouragement and the strength that comes from it. And so I think that's so important because, listen, guys, here, here's what I want to tell us. If Paul recognized he needs these things, you and I need these things too. Okay? If you're sitting here and you're like, you don't know what I've accomplished for the Lord. <laughs> Paul probably has you beat. Okay? If you're here and you're like, listen, like I, I just am without any fear. Listen, Paul probably has you beat. And yet he recognized the necessity for himself in regards to these things that we've been talking about. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I need the armor of God and I, I'm in a war and I need the strength, I need prayer, I need people to uphold me, you're in good company. Paul needed that as well. And, and so I think that's important for us to understand. So with all that in mind, uh, I, I want to, you know, again, look tonight at what I'm calling the conclusion uh, in the passage. Um, in verse 10, Paul begins this, this section that we've been looking at over the past 10 weeks by using the word finally. Say that with me. Finally. Okay, whenever you think of the word finally or the word finally is used, what comes with that is the thought of a conclusion, right? It's some concluding thoughts. In light of all that I've already instructed you and all that I've already told you about and all that you've heard and all that you've received, finally, let me bring things to a point of conclusion for you. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. 
Okay, So as you read the book of Ephesians, and I'd encourage you to read this whole letter um, and revisit it, understand that everything you're reading in, the, in the, this letter that Paul writes, when it talks about the Christian faith and living godly for Christ, and it talks about the, the, the spirit of God, it talks about being imitators of God as his dear children, everything leads to a point of conclusion where Paul now says, as he closes out this letter, finally, with everything I've already instructed you, everything in mind, Here's my conclusion for you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's bringing things to a point of conclusion. And so as we've looked at verses 10 all the way down through really verse 17, which was last week where Craig uh, talked about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. As we've looked at verses 10 through 17 to this point, let me just recap some things that as men we need to know from this series, okay? Number one, as men, we need to know that we are in a battle. You've heard this hopefully week in and week out. I hope you've been stirred by that reality, but we have to come to this conclusion. We must know this reality. We are in a battle. And, and sometimes it can be easy to dismiss that. Sometimes it can be easy to push that off on people like on our tables. Sometimes it can be easy to look across the room and be like, man, I know that guy's in a battle because I know what's going on in his life, but we really need to personalize this, right? You and I, we, I, I'm in a battle. You are in a battle today. It's it's personal. Um, And for some of you, you know that right now because of what you're experiencing in your life and your families. You know that what you're experiencing at your place of employment, what you're experiencing in various relationships or struggles that you're going through, things that are outside of your control, that you're not quite sure what even the answers are for some of the questions you have, and and you really feel like, man, this is a spiritual battle that I'm enduring right now. Some of you guys are really steeped tonight in a temptation or or a battle with a temptation and sin, And, and you know that you're right in the thick of it right now, and you're like, man... I'm in a spiritual battle right now. Some of you, there's some things going on in your life that trusting God tonight, having confidence in God tonight is not coming easy for you. You're in a battle. And you know all too well how severe that battle is and the attack of the enemy is is severe. But we have to understand this. And here's the reality. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, it is happening. Okay, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, it is happening. I immediately think of my kids growing up. Um, it's crazy to me how quickly time goes. When, when, you, when People have told me this all the time. As soon as you start having kids, watch how quick time goes. I'm like, okay, everybody says that. Like, my, my oldest daughter is going to be 15 this summer. 15. Um, my, my second daughter, she just turned 12. My third one is turning 11 tomorrow. And then my youngest is already 5 uh, going on six, and, and I'm just, I'm amazed at this. My youngest, we just registered for kindergarten coming up. My oldest is going to go to high school this coming year. Um, and, and already, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. Um, you know, I'm trying to process that. But it, it can be very easy with my kids to be like, nope, I don't accept it. They're not getting older. They're not growing up. I, I can say that all I want to. But it doesn't change that reality, right? The same is true about me. Like, I, you know, um, there are things that, like, I do now after doing stuff that it never used to, like, bother me. That, like, the day after, I'm kind of, like, sore or, or something hurts. Uh, I came in the office the other day, and I was, like, limping around the office. And everybody's like, oh, did you hurt your foot? I'm like, I have no idea what I did. 
I don't remember doing anything to hurt my foot, but I'm limping around as though like I broke my ankle. And like, well, when did you hurt it? Got me? I don't, maybe in the shower? I don't know what I did. But I woke up and I couldn't stand up on my foot. And I'm like, what is this? Right? I can ignore that or I can come to grips with the reality of like, all right, maybe I'm getting a little bit older right now. Like, we don't like to acknowledge things that bother us. Okay, the same exact thing is unfortunately true when it comes to spiritual warfare many times. Just because we don't like the thought that it's real doesn't mean it's not real, guys. Just because we don't like the thought of the reality that, that our enemy desires to destroy anything that we're doing for Christ doesn't mean it's not real. It is. And, and you got to know tonight, as men of God, as as those that know Christ as Savior, you need to know, I need to know, we are in a battle. We're in a battle. And the battle's not going anywhere. It's, it's going to remain until Christ returns, until we are with him. There will be this battle that is going to be waging and going on. Now, here's the thing with that, though, I think we need to understand. We're in a battle, but ultimate victory has been secured, right? So let's not lose sight of the fact that ultimate victory has been secured for us and a couple other things I'm going to share in just a minute. So be encouraged in that. Number two, we need to know that we have a powerful enemy. We have a powerful enemy. Now, let me clarify something. We do not have an all-powerful enemy, okay? But we have a powerful enemy. And this falls into the category, again, a lot of times we do not like to admit that. Um, but it's reality. So when Paul says in Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There's this understanding, there's this recognition that we have an enemy who is scheming, who is plotting, who is seeking to destroy, and we are engaged in that. And he says we don't wrestle, verse 12, wrestle against flesh and blood. So again, I've talked about this, I think, in week one, that the word wrestle brings with it this understanding of hand-to-hand combat. We are wrestling, we are combating against an enemy, a powerful enemy, but not an all-powerful enemy. And yet sometimes we can be very guilty, not only of not coming to grips with the reality that we're in a battle, but also we can be guilty of underestimating our enemy. We can be very guilty of that sometimes. Uh, have you ever heard uh, in the sports realm that when a team that's very good um, has an opponent coming up that is supposed to be very formidable and it's, it's like the game on the schedule that they circle and they're like, that's going to be our biggest test. What they call the game before that game is a trap game because teams will sometimes overlook an opponent because they're focused on what they deem to be even a more daunting opponent, right? And so what happens is they, they go up against an opponent that they should have no problem beating, but because they've underestimated them or completely looked past them on the schedule, they find themselves all of a sudden being bombarded and losing because they underestimated or looked past that, that opponent. Well, a lot of times I think that happens in our, our spiritual walk, right? We underestimate our enemy. And sometimes we ignore the reality that, that we look ahead and be like, oh, this is going to be a time of heightened spiritual warfare because God's doing this and this. Listen, your day-to-day, my day-to-day is spiritual warfare. And the enemy is there. And he's just as powerful and formidable right now as he will be a week from now. And we can't over or underestimate or look past that. We have a powerful enemy. But again, our ally is far greater. He's not all-powerful. And the one that is for us is all-powerful, so we can take encouragement in that. Number three, we got to know tonight, we are under attack, okay? 
we're under attack. Now let me, let me stop for a minute because I, I want to I clarify something. I've heard both extremes, right? I've heard both extremes. You've probably heard both extremes. You maybe even have thought and said both extremes. There are those people that be like, every single thing that happens in my life is an attack of the devil. Okay, that's not true that every single thing that happens in our life is an attack of the devil. Like you'd be like, man, I was going to cut my grass, but it was raining, and the devil attacked me because I, I got I to gotta put it off till tomorrow. Like, that's not an attack of the devil, right? Necessarily. Um, so there's the fault of seeing the devil or the demons or our enemies behind everything. But then there's also the fault of not recognizing spiritual attack when spiritual attack is taking place. And so we have to have eyes that understand and see and discern uh, the spiritual attacks that oftentimes will take place and the reality that we are under attack and the potential for the attack of the enemy is always present. That's why Peter would say, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour the understanding of that passage where Peter says that isn't, isn't, hey, listen, during these few months, be sober, be vigilant. During this particular age range in your life, be sober, be vigilant. During this particular time of year, but no, the understanding there is it's a constant sober vigilance on our part because the enemy can attack at any time. And, and to illustrate it, I, I think about when I would play uh, paintball with some of our uh, youth group kids when I was in Pennsylvania as a youth pastor, um, we would play paintball and we'd be on this farm with guys and we would have a time of start and finish for the paintball game. But during the game, we had a safe zone that when you entered into this one particular area, um, it was a safe zone where you weren't able to be shot and you couldn't be shooting anybody with the, with the paintball guns, right? So when we were not in the safe zone, masks were down, um, you know, you were constantly watching to make sure you weren't going to get hit. You were constantly watching so that when you knew when the fire on your enemy. But then when you entered the safe zone, guys got real relaxed. Because you'd go into the safe zone, masks would come off, guys would take drinks of water, guns would be put down, because there was zero fear of any kind of attack from anybody on the other team, because you were in a safe zone. And, and here's what I think is the thing we have to understand that's very important. There are no safe zones in the world in which we live from the attacks of the enemy. And that's why I think scripture is so clear when it says, be careful when you think you stand lest you fall. And pride comes before a fall. And guys, listen, even within the walls of the church, believe it or not, there is this, the, the desire to attack on the part of the enemy. And that's why so much of the New Testament scriptures speak about the unity that should be present in the body of Christ. Not dissensions and quarrelings and, and fighting and bickering and gossip and complaint. Those are all things that the enemy loves to stir up within the body of Christ. So we have to understand that we're under attack and really there are no safe zones when it comes to the attacks of the enemy. We must always be vigilant. We are under attack, but the encouraging thing is we know the enemy's tactics. We know the enemy's tactics, the, the enemy's tactic, the enemy's strategies. Number four, we got to know we cannot win in our own strength. I think it's so important, so valuable that we understand this. We cannot win in our own strength. Um, can't do it. Uh, Paul talks about it in the passage, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The emphasis that Paul places 
as he begins to introduce the armor of God in the spiritual battle that we take place, there's nothing about this list of the armor of God, there's nothing about this command to put on the armor of God that has anything to do with your strength or my strength. I think that's so valuable, right? You look at this from the very outset, be strong who? In the Lord. How? In the strength of his might. There's nothing about you and I in that passage as our source for strength, for defense, for offense. There's nothing there that has anything to do with what we bring to the table, but rather that which God offers, that which God brings, that which God provides and God sustains us with. You know, I, I love that the age of my kids when they're younger, in particular with Leah, she's five. I love that Leah's at this age where she has to consistently ask me for help as her dad. And one of the things I love is, is, you know, if she has something, even a bottle of water, uh, and it might not be the case so much now, but when she was a little bit younger, if, she, if there was a bottle of water and she wanted to have it, she couldn't open the bottle of water, right? And so she'd come up to me and she'd hand me the bottle of water. She'd be like, Daddy, can you open this? Can you open this? And I'd be like, sure, honey. Like, let Daddy flex his arm a little bit there and open this hard to difficult open bottle of water for you to show my strength right or or a jar that needs to be open and you're sure little lady let me help you out with that and it's like this this masculine strength thing that you can open something that that they can't open because they need your help right but my kids were very young and had no strength or didn't have the ability to open some of these things they would try with everything that they had to get these things open and they just couldn't open them and they weren't going to they needed help. And I, I think of that when I think of any believer in Christ on their own strength trying to accomplish or do something that only the strength that God offers can produce. That's what we look like. It's, it's ridiculous for us to think of this, but it's as though we're just a little tiny child trying to, in our own strength, do something that it takes a grown adult to do. We can stand there and try and try and try and we're not going to open it. And, and I think that's what we have to understand when it comes to this idea of spiritual warfare. We cannot win in our own strength. But here's the reality. We don't need to. Okay, you can't win on your own strength, but the glorious thing about what God brings to us and offers to us as we see in this passage is that we're not expected to, nor do we need to, win on our own strength. So if you ever met with a guy and a guy's talking about a struggle and he's like, man, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I, I, I can't do it. You're right, right? That's a glorious thing. You and I can't accomplish on our own what only God is able to accomplish. But we're not asked to do that either. And it's a glorious thing. We cannot win our own strength. Number five, we can win through the strength and armor the Lord provides. We can win through the strength and armor the Lord provides. You know what I would tell my girls? when they would give me something that they couldn't open, like, Dad, I can't open this. I would loosen it, and then I would give it back to him. And this is what I would say. Try now. Try now. Because what I was able to do for them was something they couldn't do for themselves. But after I was able to do what they couldn't do, they had a victory, right? They had the ability to do it. And, and that's what I, I think is the picture we have to get in our minds about this sport, spiritual warfare we can win through the strength and armor the Lord provides to us. That's why Paul says right here, verse 13, Therefore, in light of the fact that we have an enemy, that we're in constant attack, the enemy wants to destroy us, we're in a battle, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, that you may be able to stand. Take up the whole armor of God. 
the strength and might that God provides. We can win through the strength and armor the Lord provides. And then number six, we need to know that we need to proactively put on the armor of God daily. We need to proactively put on the armor of God daily. We talked about this before. I think the, the analogy fits yet again. When we wake up in the morning, we do not dare go outside the walls of our house without first putting on pants, hopefully, uh, shirt, shoes. We clothe ourselves, hopefully, before we step out of our house to go anywhere. The same mentality and urgency and necessity needs to be present in our minds, spiritually speaking, of putting on the armor of God daily before we engage in anything throughout our day. Because when we don't do it, we are susceptible to attack. When we don't do that, we are not protected. When we don't do that, we should not expect victory that day in Christ because we're seeking to do something on our own strength. We are left bare naked, exposed to the enemy when we fail daily to put on the armor of God. And so we need to know that we need to proactively put on the armor of God each and every day. So with those six kind of thoughts in mind, uh, and we've covered those each step of the way as we've gone through this study, I want to bring things to a point of conclusion as Paul does here. And look at verse 18 with me. So after saying, take up the armor of God, he goes in to explain the armor of God. We looked at the pieces of the armor of God and putting on all those things. Verse 18, he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Paul's going to go on to close out, as we mentioned, verses 19 and 20, prayers for himself, that you would pray for me, that I would be bold, I would preach the gospel. But verse 18 brings things to a point of conclusion as it relates to this understanding of putting on the armor of God. He concludes by saying, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Here's some concluding thoughts that I think we need to take with us as we wrap up this series. Number one, in this battle that we are engaged in, Prayer must be a constant in our lives. As we engage in this spiritual warfare, as we engage in this battle, prayer must be a constant in our lives. Let me ask you a question. And I'm going to give you some time in a few minutes at your tables to answer some of these questions that are listed there. And some of them are going to be some overlap to what I'm asking you right now. But let me ask you, as you look at your life, as I look at my life, what are those things in our lives that we would say are constants? And what I mean by that is that they're, they're always there. They're always something that we're pursuing. They are always something that we are guaranteeing is going to happen. They are those things that week in and week out, day in and day out, they are constant in our lives. What are those things? What makes that list for you? Sunday services? Coming to church on Sunday. Is that a constant? Um, work? Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday or Monday to Monday? What is that constant? Family dinners? Getting together with your wife or your children for dinner in the evenings. Um, Sunday football. Football season hits, I'm not missing. Is that, is that a constant for your life? That you're, okay, Sunday 1 o'clock, Browns game. If you're a Browns fan, I apologize. But if you are, you, Sunday 1 o'clock, you're watching Browns game. Um, Saturday golf. It's nice outside, Saturday morning, golf's happening. That's a constant in my life, Right? Haircuts, certain time, right? Or um, meals, lunch, every day, 11.30 or 12 o'clock. Dinner, every evening, 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock. What are the constants in your life? And let me ask this. Does prayer make that list? 
as a believer in Jesus Christ? Does prayer make the list of one of the constants in your life and my life as a believer? It should make that list. Because a recognition of the spiritual warfare and the concluding thoughts that Paul gives is that prayer should be constant in our lives. Look again, verse 18. Praying, when does he say? What he says, praying how? At all times. You know, you're probably familiar with a verse in the New Testament. I can't remember the exact verse, but where it talks about pray unceasingly. That means constantly, at all times. Here, in the context of spiritual warfare and the armor of God, after putting on the all, all the armor of God that Paul talks about here, as a concluding thought to all that he's already proclaimed, he includes the fact that prayer should be something that is constantly happening in our lives. Praying at all times. At all times. Um, I don't know when the last time you spent any amount of, of, of focused time in prayer. I don't know. Um, you know, in, in a couple minutes when you guys talk at the tables and answer some of these questions, hopefully you'll be honest, be vulnerable. But prayer should be a constant in our lives. Does it make our list? Pray at all times, Paul says. And interestingly enough, that, that means at all times. Um, so it's important. Number two, in this battle, our prayers should be in accordance with God's will. In this battle, our prayers should be in accordance with God's will. He says, praying at all times, how? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. In, in accordance or in step with the Spirit. When you think about Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a starting point, a finishing point, a focus of the will of God with our prayers in accordance with the will of God. Now, let me ask this question. When you think about your prayer life, it's one thing to answer the question, is prayer a constant in your life? When you think about your prayer life, who or what do your prayers have the most to do with? Who or what do your prayers have the most to do with? Because guys, if the only time that we pray is when we pray asking God for what we want, if the only time that we go to God and petition God is when we are asking God for what we want and we're prioritizing what we want rather than what He wants, we're praying in air. And it's not that we shouldn't ask, we should. The Bible says, ask. Jesus says it. You have not because you ask not. Ask and it will be given to you. God certainly wants our requests be made known unto him. He knows them already, but he tells us to ask. So it's not me saying to you, don't ask for what God has laid on your heart. Don't ask. No, it's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if in our asking, it is more about us than it is him, we are in error. Everything that we're asking, and Jesus modeled this, should be in accordance with the will of God. God, this is our desire. This is what we're asking. This is what we want. But not what we will, but what you will be done. That's the model Jesus left for us. And so in our prayers, who or what are we more focused on? In our petitioning of God, who or what is the priority? Is it all about us? Because here's what I found. The times that people seem to be the most discouraged because their prayers are not being answered. Most often, it's because the prayers are not being answered according to their will, right? If God is not answering our prayers according to our will, we sometimes have a problem with that. But it's not about our will. It's about His will. 
This is what Paul says when he says, praying at all times in the spirit, not in the flesh, not according to fleshly desires, right? Not according to fleshly wants, but according to his spirit, according to his will, in accordance with what God wants. Prayer should be a constant in our lives. Number three, in this battle, our prayers should be for one another. Look at what he says. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You know what Paul's saying here in this battle? We should be consistently, constantly, at all times, mindful of prayer and supplication for all the saints. For all the believers, we should be praying at all times. At all times, praying for one another. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you sought out the face of God? You petitioned God on behalf of a brother or sister in Christ. It's an incredible thing to do that, but also an incredible thing to be able to tell a brother or sister in Christ, I want to let you know I have been praying for you. I have been petitioning God for you. I have been upholding you before the Lord. And, and if you've been on the receiving end of that, you know how encouraging it is as a follower of Christ to know that a brother or sister has been praying for you in that way. You know the encouragement that it gives, and you also know the encouragement it is to do it. And that's not by chance, that's not on accident, that's not coincidental. Paul says it. In the midst of the spiritual battle and warfare we are enduring and we are facing, we should be praying at all times and praying, making supplication, end of verse 18, for all the saints. Let me ask you tonight, do you seek the Lord's face diligently for other believers in Christ as you do for your own self? Because that is what God has called us to. I should be praying for you. You should be praying for me. We should be praying for one another. And I'll tell you what comes with that. So often what comes with that is a, is a feeling of when a brother or sister in Christ succeeds, we, we feel like we've succeeded. When a brother or sister in Christ has victory, we feel like that's a victory that we celebrate too. When a brother or sister in Christ, I mean, have you guys listened to the baptism testimonies uh, during Easter, on Easter Sunday, and some of the baptism testimonies? Um, I love listening to baptism testimonies, and I love listening to testimonies of salvation when the individual come in and be like, yeah, my husband or wife, they had been praying for me for years. Or a, a kid who says, my mom, you know, all throughout my, my childhood and teenage years, prayed for me consistently, diligently before the Lord, and God finally gripped my heart and brought me to himself. Like, that's so encouraging. Or when you have been praying for a brother or sister in Christ and asking God to work, and then you see that it happens. There's tremendous rejoicing and encouragement, not only for the person that it's happened to, but for the one that's been petitioning God on their behalf. Great encouragement comes from that, and victory comes from that. And so our prayer should be for one another. Paul modeled this. Jesus modeled this. It's something we should follow. It's quite refreshing, isn't it, when you walk into church on Sunday and a brother or sister comes up to you and they're like, hey, just want to let you know, I was praying for you. How's this going? It's like, man, you were praying for me? Like, that's incredible. Or if someone shares a prayer request and like three weeks go by and you see them, you're like, hey, three weeks ago I prayed for you on this regard. And how's that going? It's like, man, they were, they were legitimately prayed for me. And then when God answers prayer, it's like, man, the glory that God receives is just incredible. We should be doing this. Number four, in this battle, our prayers should be alert. Our prayers should be alert. He says here, pray at all times. And he says, to that end, keep alert. With all perseverance. 
this is what's so interesting to me is, is remember when I talked about a little bit earlier that, that we are constantly at, at war and in a battle and we are constantly uh, potentially under attack? Here's what strikes me as so amazing in this. You would think that while you're doing something glorifying to God, quote unquote, spiritual in nature, you're safe, right? You would think that would be the case. But here Paul reminds us, even in our prayers, we need to remain alert. Even in our prayers. Think about the temptation of Jesus. Jesus went up on a mountain to what? To pray. He went up on a mountain to pray. He is praying and fasting for 40 days. He's doing something that I don't want to say across the board. No one in here has done it. I don't know. Maybe some of you have done it. You've prayed and fasted as in no food for 40 days. If you've done that, praise God, okay? I haven't. And I don't know if anybody else here has done that. Jesus did. He went up on a mountain to pray, by himself to pray and to fast for 40 days. Is there something more spiritual someone could do than to go in isolation and pray to the Father and refuse to eat because they want to focus in prayer for 40 days? And while he went up on the mountain to pray and fast for 40 days... It also says in that passage that he went up to pray and to be tempted by the devil. I want you to think about that for a minute. This isn't to scare you or to make you think, holy cow, what did I get myself into? You and I are not saved from the attempted attack of the enemy even when we're praying. Paul says in this passage to be alert in your prayers and to persevere. Um, that's incredible. It's incredible. You have to be alert in our prayers. I immediately think of Jesus in the garden when Jesus tells the disciples, hey, stay here and pray while I go over there and pray. And he comes back and what are they doing? They're sleeping three times. Three times. Stay awake that you don't enter into temptation, right? Pray, stay awake that you don't enter into temptation. They're sleeping, they're sleeping, they're sleeping. I think of my kids. I think of my kids when we pray at night and it's time for bed. And if, if we're praying and I kind of open an eye to see what they're doing and see if they're paying attention, they're all doing something different. Uh, might have one or two of the kids that actually have their eyes closed and they're focused. Normally my youngest is like doing something weird when she's doing it. My other one's kind of like goofing, not goofing off, but she's kind of like distracted, right? Um, and then maybe one or, or two of them are really focused. And there have been times when we're praying or one of their sisters is praying and I'll say, honey, hold on just a second, and I'll say, and I'll call the girls out, and I'll be like, you need to stop what you're doing because we're praying right now, and let them know that, that I, that I want them to be focused, right? Uh, sometimes I won't draw attention to it if it's not a distraction, and I'll just be like, all right, afterwards, I'm going to let them know, you know, don't be doing that when we pray. But, but sometimes that is the mentality that you and I as adult men have in our prayers. Someone's praying, and we are just like, like, what time's the game? You know, we're, we're we're so not focused and vigilant in our prayers. And we forget how necessary prayer is, how essential it is in the battle that we find ourselves in. Our prayers should be alert. Do you find yourself alert in your prayers? Purposeful in your prayers. Diligent in your prayers. Uh, or are our prayers similar to what a lot of people do when they eat? Lord, thank you for this food in Jesus' name, amen. Or are they consistent, 
purposeful, vigilant, alert, persistent. Number five, in this battle, our prayers should be persistent. They should be persistent. Paul says this, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints, for all the saints. Uh, There should be a persistence to our prayers. Don't give up. If we care enough, we truly believe that prayers are powerful and effective, we don't lose heart. Let me ask you, what are the things that you are most persistent in in your life? Think about that for a minute. What are the things that you are most persistent in? What are the things that when obstacles come or reasons come that you wouldn't do it, you're like, nope, that's not going to stop me. Not going to stop me. That obstacle, not going to stop me. That hardship, not going to stop me. That roadblock, I'm plowing through it. It's not going to stop me. Is that our mentality and attitude when it comes to our prayer life? Could it be truthfully said as a descriptor of our prayer life that we are persistent in prayer? Are we persistent in prayer? Does prayer make that list? So with all those things in mind as we focus on this area of prayer, I have some questions for you guys at your tables there um, that I'd like you to take a look at and and take some time to answer tonight. Um, My hope is... As you look at these, you would be honest. I'm going to give you a little bit of time. Number one here, if you had to describe your prayer life in one word, what would that word be? Let me clarify by what I mean by one word, okay? What I mean by one word is one word, okay? So if you were to describe your prayer life, how would you describe it? I don't mean, well, I think what I would say is, when I look at prayer, I just mean a word. I want you to come up with a word to describe your prayer life. Failing, powerful, consistent, Lacking, you know, what would you use as a word to describe your prayer life? And are you satisfied with that? Be honest. If you were to look at it, what one word presently would describe your prayer life? And if you're like, well, that's a tough one because there's been times, just use the past week. In the past week, what one word would you use to describe your prayer life? And are you satisfied with that? Number two, if we would agree that prayer is absolutely essential, why do we oftentimes struggle to make that a priority? My assumption is there are at least some men in this room that would agree that prayer is absolutely essential, and yet sometimes there's a struggle to make prayer a priority as it should be. Why is that the case? Number three, do you consider yourself to be alert in prayer? How so? If no, why not? You can answer that however you need to. Number four, how much time do you spend praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm not asking for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I'm asking, do you spend time, and if so, is it consistent for your brothers and sisters in Christ? And does it encourage you to know that other people are praying for you? And if it encourages you, why would you not want to be that encouragement to others, right? That's the question here. So you don't have to answer all of them. Try to get through some of them. I'll give us a little bit of time, and then I'll come up and wrap things up. So take some time. more minutes and then I'll get us back. Um, Listen, certainly I would encourage you with these questions if you didn't get through them all or even personally if you didn't think through all these, take that home with you and just be honest as you work through those questions um, and and think through what your responses to those would be. I I feel like it's important. Um, You know, Paul and wrapping up this particular section in his letter about spiritual warfare, really his concluding thoughts in it 
is to kind of give a capstone to all that he shared by talking about uh, praying at all times and, and praying for one another at all times. And so we see the necessity of that. And although um, he doesn't include that prayer specifically at all times as a piece of the armor, he includes it as a given in spiritual warfare as something that should be constantly present uh, at all times. And so it's really important, I think, for us to remember that as we wrap up this series. You can put on the whole armor of God. You can be vigilant. You can be watchful. uh, But do not neglect to be praying at all times and to be praying for one another. That's something that we all can do, no matter where we're at, no matter who we're with, no matter what type of physical condition we find ourselves in, or no matter how busy we think we are, prayer is always something that is readily available to us and that we should be constantly pursuing and and implementing in our lives. And there's great encouragement that comes with that. So as we wrap up the series, let me give you two passages of Scripture to conclude with um, outside of Ephesians chapter 6 that I think are relevant. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, following Paul's instruction to Timothy, who was a young pastor, He encourages Timothy in regards to um, fleeing um, basically youthful lusts and the pursuits of the flesh. This is what he says in 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And he's talking about the greed uh, that comes, the desire for wealth and desire for, for dishonest gain. He says, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith. Love, steadfastness, gentleness. And then he says this, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. Guys, I want to encourage you as you recognize you're in a battle, you're at war, you're putting on the whole armor of God, you're you're doing this in the strength that God gives. Can I encourage you and challenge you as men? Fight the good fight of faith. And fighting the good fight of faith, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. He goes on in verse 12 after saying, fight the good fight of faith to say this, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's challenging Timothy, don't wait for eternity to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of it now. Live now fully embracing and living in the eternal life that you know is yours. And that goes with consistency, what is shared by Paul in other passages and what is shared by Christ in other passages of setting our mind on things above, on thinking on things above, on storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. All of that consistently goes with this fight, the good fight of faith. Take hold of that eternal life to which you were called. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 to 5, Paul said this as well. Though we walk in the flesh, We are not waging war according to the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Literally what Paul is reminding the believers in Corinth here is, that the battle that we are in and the war that we're waging and the, and the weapons of our warfare are not the things of this flesh. Thankfully, praise God, they're not because we would be utterly defeated. But he says that's not what we use. That's not what we utilize in this battle and the war that we're waging. Um, our weapons of warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We have the power of God 
power of God supporting us and with us. Uh, and, and we don't want to quickly forget that. Um, we want to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Everything that we, that we say, everything that we do, everything that we think, everything that we participate in should be that which is going to obey and glorify Christ. Um, you can see how hard and difficult that is in the world in which we live. But again, be encouraged, guys. God has not asked us to do this on our own. He's not left us alone to do this. He's not asked us in our own strength to do this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be, be able to withstand and having done all to stand. So I hope you're encouraged. I hope you feel a little bit more um, equipped and ready uh, for the spiritual battle that's constantly around us. And, and I hope that you've been challenged to truly put on daily the armor of God as we seek to live for Christ in this world that we find ourselves walking in. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word again, and I'm thankful for these 10 weeks, Lord, and uh, those that have uh, prepared and shared to teach us. I'm thankful for the participation of these guys at their tables and the encouragement that they've been to one another. And God, I, I can't thank you enough that um, all of these things that you have called us to do, you have not asked us to do any of these things on our own. Um, we praise you for that because we all know if left to ourselves, we, would, we wouldn't be able to do anything um, that is worthwhile for you. And so I pray that you would help us not in our own strength, but in the strength that you provide to walk in a manner that is worthy and God to truly with every thought that we think, every word that we speak, every action that we take, be obedient to Christ. And that in doing so, we would glorify you and find great victory day in and day out in the spiritual battle that we find ourselves engaged in. Uh, so we ask you to give us the strength to do that. Uh, guys, as we close, your heads bowed, eyes closed for just a minute. I, I want to just ask before we dismiss for this time, um, this has been a lot for 10 weeks. And, and if God has really, really burdened your heart, convicted you, and, and you've come to a point of saying, hey, like the spiritual battle that's been going on, I have failed miserably at it. I have... I have just not been following and putting on the armor of God. And, and I'm asking for prayer as we go from here that I would do that, that I would put into practice these 10 weeks. I'd put into practice serving Christ and, and that I would begin to see victory as these spiritual battles take place. Uh, I do want to pray for you before you go. So if, if there's anybody like that, say I'm greatly challenged and convicted that I, I got to make some changes and I'm, I'm committed to doing that. Would you put your hand up? I want to pray for you. Yeah, keep them up for just a second. I just want to take in. Good, yeah. Appreciate it, guys. You can put your hands down. Let me pray for you right now. Lord, uh, quite a bit of guys that, um, Lord, really want to honor you here that maybe to this point have really struggled in this spiritual battle that's before them. And so I ask, you know, every, every person in their hand that went up, God, you know their heart. I ask that you would just empower each of these men to, to truly put on the armor of God. Um, God, in the spiritual battle that's taking place, whatever they're, they're dealing with right now, some of them are dealing with some pretty heavy things that there would be great victory through the strength that you give. God, that there would be consistency in their walk with you. And Lord, that uh, they would be watchful and vigilant and that they might be able to put on the whole armor of God to stand against the attacks of the enemy and uh, in, a, in a crooked and, and just perverse world we find ourselves living in. So please empower these men. Uh, give them the strength they need, the boldness that they need to live for you and that you would use them in that way. God, we commit these things to you and ask you to use us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.